0: Hey, it's my life. I'm Stefan, and you're listening to the show that's all about me, you, and the world around us, and a lot of my thoughts sprinkled in between. Today, we're going to talk about, well, the coronavirus and what it means in terms of um, our family ranking ranks uh, with the rest of uh, society. Yeah, we kind of uh, had a few folks over. Hopefully none of us will um, regret that, but we did have a lot of, uh, we did have a good time uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Plus, we're going to talk about South Carolina reopening um, and what that means, where we are in the state and how we're going to go forward and how the pendulum of indecision is swinging on both sides, plus a little bit about um, tea and drinking coffee and trying to stay you know uh encouraged and motivated at the same time so i'm gonna have a little bit about a little snippet about a tea farm here in the upstate of south carolina and we're gonna do all of that in what i like to call episode number eight so buckle up sit back and enjoy Okay, we um the Stefan back from the break and uh please don't tell anybody but we um we broke ranks. Yes, we we actually broke ranks the other day, um, yesterday, and uh, we had uh some close friends who um paid us a visit. Seriously, don't tell anybody. Um we, we tried to maintain our distance. Not really. I mean we didn't. I mean, we we figured if most people are going to the stores, to Home Depot, and are, you know, brushing past people as they're picking out their can of beans or picking up, uh, you know, the latest snacks, um, your oatmeal pies, your your Little Debbies, and you're getting that close to people at the uh, grocery store, and if there's a run on construction equipment from all of the folks who are now doing their spring projects because you know, let's face it, you got nothing else to do, or you've been laid off work, or your work has told you to work from home, and let's face it, um, I I mean, I I enjoy working from home. However, there are a lot of folks who don't work when they're at home. Um, So anyway, we broke ranks yesterday, and we had a few folks over, and uh, I will say it was a a great, uh, we had a great time. We enjoyed each other's company, and I think everybody appreciated the fact that you had had another face to look at uh, for part of the day. Um, It's just, you know, it's it's getting a little bit ridiculous with the stuff that's going on in terms of now. Now we're reopening, and right now there's this methodology or uh, people are saying, "Well, well, we need to do this in a... A very um slow process what well, you have one side of the the table or spectrum that is saying let's do a very slow rollout in terms of you know how we get back to normal since our economy has basically um i mean it's in the toilet let's face it um so how do, how do we roll this out slowly and then you have the other group the other side who says just flick the light switch on and let's get this puppy going, um, because you, you you crashed it overnight. Literally, you government officials decided, you know, we're we're gonna you know fear, scare tactics, media, um, not really based on a lot of science. And if you look, the science. Um, and I'm not saying that the coronavirus is not something to be aware of. What I'm saying is if you looked at when it was hitting certain spots and how it's hit certain spots in the country, it doesn't make sense why you'd shut down entire corporations and industries when it really had no impact at that time. And in some places, it still doesn't have that big of an impact, <coughs> Excuse me. comparatively speaking, with other things that have impacted those areas. So i i'm kind of on the fence of you know let's go ahead and start opening a little bit faster I'm, I'm not the pendulum for me hasn't swung all the way over but we did break break ranks yesterday and we had uh A few of our closest friends you know know, just one family come over and visit we had a great time we enjoyed each other's company they walk the property we have a small farm so it's it's kind of nice we kind of think of you know when we get quarantined we actually like being at home um we have about 12 acres so it's fun to get out and do stuff and there's never a moment where there's not something to do on the farm so for folks who live in a subdivision i get it i totally get it um you're trying to get all your stuff done and you've got you've got this need to be outside of your in your yard i get it however it it seems kind of silly and i think there have been a lot of uh radio broadcasters talk show hosts who have commented on the fact that The government shut down certain businesses, but then let other businesses stay open with no guidelines, or at least limited guidelines on how they were supposed to conduct business. You know, what merchandise can people buy? How are they supposed to buy it? What are the protocols when you're standing in line? You know, everybody's talked about this safe distancing and social distancing. The reality of it is, I mean, those aisles at the grocery store were not meant um, to be six feet apart. You just... You know, the idea of having markers on the floor, you know, on the surface, it seems okay. You know, if you have to document something on the surface, it seems okay. But in practicality, when you actually go out and witness and see what's happening at the Home Depots, the Lowe's, the Walmarts of the world, um, nobody's practicing social distancing when they're going to buy their groceries. It's just... I'm sorry, when you got four or five people that are in the in front of the meat section and we're all within like 16 inches of each other, please, you know, you, the social distancing, hey, you might as well forget it um, because it, grocery stores weren't set up that way. They just weren't. Um, uh, otherwise, things would be spaced out in the aisle. I mean, I don't even think you get six feet between aisles. I think it's like a four and a half feet. Um, somebody at the supermarket can tell me, you know, what exactly are the dimensions, but I just think it was... It's kind of silly and and ridiculous to um, allow some of these stores. And and remember, it rolled out in different ways, uh, waves. Uh, Some of the stores were uh, considered non-essential and other stores like department stores with groceries were considered essential. So, in effect, you were telling uh, shoe store owners, you got to shut down. But the Walmart, y'all can sell as many shoes as you want. So picking winners and losers Um, in that regard. So it's all seemed kind of silly. And the idea that to tell people to stay home and you're not to congregate with more than three people. um, I don't know if you were to do a poll or a survey inside of the Walmart parking lot, how many people actually adhered to that warning when they needed to go out and get needed supplies from essential businesses. And I don't think a needed supply is um tulips uh vegetables potted vegetables for your garden uh hoses hose um mulch i saw somebody some people getting mulch. okay i'm sorry those are not needed supplies uh during a quarantine i just you know it's it's funny we as americans we have we have uh we have been very fortunate in that we have never experienced a situation like the Great Depression. And and I say we, I'm talking about my generation has not experienced um, the Great Depression where y- you didn't know where food was going to be. Um, and, and you didn't have a, a Harvest Hope or a um, food collection center pretty much in every small town. You just didn't have that. So we didn't experience that. We didn't know how tough you had to be to get through that. Uh, my generation didn't really experience the oil crisis in the 70s, you know, where gas lines were miles long. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up, I was born, but I didn't experience it, meaning I had no knowledge of it. I, didn't, I wasn't a part of it. I didn't have to stand in those lines. I grew up in the military. So um, in some regards, some of the things that were happening on the states and the civilian sector didn't necessarily i didn't actually see it firsthand because i was usually located on a base or you know i was kind of not sheltered but it just it wasn't readily in front of me i didn't see it i didn't experience it um i grew up in a you know household pretty big family so money was i would say it was tight we didn't get the greatest clothing i mean we got clothing don't get me wrong but we we weren't we weren't decked out in the latest you know fashions some of some of my friends when i went to high school uh, and even junior high you know they had they had the cool clothes you know what i'm talking about they had nice clothes um we we didn't really have we had clothes that were uh, good good enough good enough for what we needed them for you know pair of pants wasn't the stylish jeans it was just a pair of pants you know just levi's done uh, enough said um So we didn't experience my generation has not experienced true pain and suffering. And even at this point where I'm still in the process of looking for work um, and doing work, you know, I'm kind of doing the farm and then looking for work. Even during this process, I haven't and we haven't really felt true pain and I guess that's that's what I'm leading to is the way we've approached this quarantine. And now, I'm I, you know, after the break, I'm going to talk a little bit more about what the governor is doing, what, you know, other states are doing. Um, and they're about to, you know, May 1st is right around the corner and about to open up certain businesses. So I'm going to do a little bit um, of digging into what's going to be opening up and what's not. But we have taken this quarantine and we have, I don't know, twisted it. To, to our liking like a lot of us are like yeah we'll stay at home no problem we got the internet you know we got cable we got television we, we hey we've got our toys yeah you know, well okay you're telling us not to go shopping but you know what who's it gonna hurt i mean you can't stop all of us from being in the store i was told yesterday that somebody went to i think it was the lowe's um, I think it was the Lowe's or the Walmart. I can't remember. I think it was Lowe's. And they could not find a parking spot. Like all of the park parking spots were full, at least 95% of them. That to me is ridiculous. You don't even see that during Christmas time. So I guess in, in a in a real world way, we have kind of, even in our pain and suffering, we've managed to be accommodating and transferring form it, which is what Americans love to do best, turn something negative into a positive. And we've actually kind of twisted the idea of this quarantine into meaning it's quarantine light. It's kind of like a, it's not a full beer. It's almost like a light beer. So this quarantine has been kind of like a quarantine light situation. You know, it's, you know, it's a work from home light situation. It hasn't really impacted a lot of people in a severe way because we still have our toys we still have electric. i mean nobody's power well we did have that storm go through but nobody's power has been out for months at a time so this is a quarantine light situation and i, I think we've um we, we you know a lot of people say they've suffered you know to have your kids in your house for weeks at a time is not you know with it's not suffering that, that's crazy I, I hear I see posts on Facebook talking about they parents can't wait for their kids to go back to school and I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is a great opportunity to be with your kids. It's a great opportunity to do things with your kids to experience new things with your kids to teach them old card games with your kids to teach them you know how to sit still and read a book and do a puzzle. So um, you know I, again, Americans are funny. We we are a unique breed. We like to convert things and change things, and we are, you know, uh, inventors by nature and creators by nature. And I just think this this coronavirus quarantine has been one of a of a light version. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about the opening and and what's about to happen with all the states and my thoughts on it. But anyway, I just want to, you know, we did break ranks. Don't tell anybody just between you and me um, and the next person. But I think we're on our way in South Carolina to um, opening up the doors and start the economy back up again in light of all the data. And we'll focus a little bit on the data after the break. But anyway, that's just my thoughts for now. Uh, I'll see y'all in just a few seconds on, on more about reopening. Uh, I think what the president says, reopening America again. We'll talk. So uh, coming back after the break, I started thinking about, okay, exactly what I was going to talk about in terms of what is happening in the state of South Carolina. So just to kind of give some perspective um, to what's happening here uh, in, in terms of the, the coronavirus um, and everything that's been going on in the, in the country and in the, in the world. At last count, I think we had about 4,700 people in the state of South Carolina that have tested positive for the coronavirus. um, And 140 have died. I think that's the official count as of today, Wednesday. Um, So in light of those numbers, The governor has decided to go ahead and, you know, start reopening businesses. So um, several businesses, uh, he gave the go ahead for some of the retail businesses to they could have started opening their doors yesterday. So, again, I mentioned earlier, you have this spectrum of people that want to be safe. Oh, yeah, I I, I do want to mention one of the the (laughs) again, I don't know how you enforce this, but they have uh, passed out some guidelines allowing you know, the store owners to get back to business, but they have a stipulation and that is they can only have um, they have to limit their customers. They can only have five customers in their shop for every thousand square feet or roughly 20 percent of the posted occupancy. Now, I did see that when I went out to um, I forgot what store it was and it oh, it was Dollar General. They they have to post on a sign the number actually was at the cash register the number of people that are allowed in the store so again i don't know how you enforce that if we got police officers wandering into different shops um i don't know just it seems kind of weird so so there's guidelines but there's no enforcement for the guidelines um so anyway, and, and then also, what the governor did is he opened. Uh, it's it, he's he's letting local officials give the okay to reopen states um, uh, parks, uh, public ramps for fishing, that sort of thing. Um, so, I, so you are going to start to see more and more people go out and venture out, but there is going to be <clears throat> excuse me. There is going to be this this group of folks. You know, again, it's it's a pendulum. It's one end is let's start reopening. Let's start doing business. Let's let's start getting the country back running. Then there's the other end that says, wait a second. We you know, this is a highly contagious um, virus. And if we do this, it could flare up again. So I don't know. I mean, it's we we along with, I believe, Tennessee and Georgia are going to start opening up, which I believe Georgia has a lot more cases than we do, so I I guess my feeling on it is, it's like any you know it's like anything else. You're gonna take a risk no matter what you do, um, and you know part of living in the United States and America is our freedom, freedom to go, and um, as long as we're not interfering with somebody else's life, we do have freedom. You know we're not government controlled. We're not uh, told to go and be at certain places. We have liberty. And that's what makes America so great. So there, the, part of me is like, you know, you, you take your risk. You, you take the risk when you go out. If you don't think there's a big risk, then, you know, you, you um, go out accordingly, like however you would normally go out. But if you think there's somewhat of a risk, protect yourself. But you know what? That's whether there's a virus out there or whether there's not a virus out there, because the reality of it is there will always be viruses. There will always be some sort of disease out there that you could potentially get. So if you want to protect yourself when you go out of your home every day of the year, you know what? Nobody's going to stop you if you want to put a mask on and do that. Nobody's gonna stop you if you wanna fully deck yourself out in a hazmat suit and go to the grocery store. You may look a little weird, but if that's what you wanna do, God bless you. Cause that's what America is about. The freedom and the liberty to do that very thing. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. So I guess my two cents issue in this whole topic of getting back to normal is hey, whatever normal is to you now, um, that's what you should do. I'll be honest. I I have to take allergy pills during this time of the year because the the pollen and it's so thick, and you have all of these um, you know weeds and hay and all of this stuff just circulating in the air all at the same time. And unless there's a heavy rain, it doesn't knock it out. So during this time of the year my asthma flares up i mean it just does of course it it has something to do with my weight too when i get a certain you know about seven eight pounds overweight my asthma actually is worse um but if i can stay thin and lean about 170 175 my asthma doesn't flare up as much um but when i hit that about 175 180 it does i mean it just happens um so i know if i restrict my diet that'll help. But if I really wanted to help my my condition out, my asthma, I would put a mask on when I go out and do yard work. I don't do it all the time. I mean, I do yard work all the time, but I don't put a mask on or I don't put something that is preventing me from breathing those things in. And last night was a classic case in point. We went out to go check on our rabbits to see if we had some babies. Which turns out we have one, which is really odd considering normally when you have Um, When you're breeding rabbits, you usually have a litter of anywhere from five to 13. I mean, it's quite a few and only have one seems very, very odd. But we went out to the barn and we were looking for the rabbit. And I'll be honest with you, when we started moving around the hay, oh, my 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 lungs just kind of I could feel my chest tightening. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I feel myself wheezing. And when I can hear myself wheeze, I know it's it's time to go, you know, it's time to check out, go get the, the inhaler, get away from all of the, the the dust and the pollen and just the particles that are in the air so I can breathe. So, you know, for me, going back to normal, you know, if, if I can stay away from people in terms of virus, I would do that anyway. I don't like a lot of people in a small amount of space. I'm not a big fan of that. Even football games. You know, give me a couple chairs. You know, we used to have a, a rule when we were going to, to the movies when we were kids. Um, we used to have one seat. If you were going with your guys, your buddies, you never sat in the same, like, the seat next to each other. You always had one seat, and you know what I'm talking about. If you're of the age I am, that one seat was to let everybody know these are your bros, um, and that's all that's going on. You know what I mean? That's So we always used to have that seat. I still like that idea, and even when we go to a theater— I don't want somebody sitting right next to me if there's plenty of room and plenty of seats, you know? So I'm, I'm not opposed to, to practicing social distancing. You know, if I don't know you and I don't know what you have and you got a virus or something, I would keep my distance anyway. So as we all get back to normal, I think we all have to figure out what's in the best interest of ourselves. Um, and But I think the opening up the economy for states that aren't getting hit as hard, especially if their metro areas are not getting hit. You know, the state of South Carolina, you've got Columbia, Greenville, you've got Charleston, you've got Myrtle Beach, you got those areas. If those places are not getting impacted severely with the coronavirus, then it's a safe bet the rest of the state, which is pretty rural, um, is not gonna get impacted as much either. And it's okay to continue to do business but just realize that this this is a potential for an issue. Now, I know other businesses that are in like the the hands touching business, the you know, like uh, physical therapist, uh, uh, personal trainers, massage therapists, um, those type of industries and and those type of uh, places of employment, they're going to they're going to be a little bit gun shy because, you know, let's face it, if, if something happens at their shop and they didn't do the protective measures, they're probably going to get slapped with a lawsuit. We, you know, not only are we a freedom and liberty country, we're also a country which is heavily, heavily invested in um, lawsuits in our legal system. So if if anything, I think that's what the businesses that are starting to reopen um they're going to look at in terms of okay what liabilities might they have when they open up their business and that's just something everybody's got to look at everybody's got to worry about liability even if you're on a farm even if you run your business heck even if you're a a contractor 1099 you've got to worry about whatever liabilities you might have in your profession um that could have an impact if if something were to go wrong or you were to do something uh, that you're not supposed to do or inadvertently accidentally do something and you may be held liable for something. So I don't claim to be a lawyer, um, but I understand the the, uh, concern when it comes to opening businesses and opening your business. So with that being said, I'm going to do a little bit lighter, a little bit lighter topic on the way uh, after the break, uh, more about um, tea a little bit of tea, oolong tea and maybe a little a little teaser from a local tea farm here in the Upstate of South Carolina that you guys probably probably haven't heard of but they are they are gaining a lot of traction not only here in the Upstate but across the country um, and I'll share that a little bit more after the break. Hey, guys, thanks for sticking around um, uh, after the break. Uh, OK, just full disclosure, I do drink coffee in the morning and I may have mentioned this on, may have mentioned that on several different podcast episodes and different podcasts in and of themselves. But I do like drinking tea. I, I really enjoy there's something about having a warm or hot beverage um, kind of you know, just keep, I don't know, on a chilly day or, or on a on a morning. Something about having that warm beverage inside your body. And I like coffee. Uh, I didn't always like coffee. My wife introduced me to coffee um, when we first met. And I've kind of been drinking it ever since to the point of where I would drink four or five cups a day. Uh, it, uh, yeah, I know. Four or five cups of coffee a day. So, but I like tea as well. So, and I know I I probably shouldn't drink as much tea, but I'll even drink warm or hot lemon water. But I like tea. Um, and we, uh, we uh, oolong tea. You've probably heard of it. is is pretty darn good. And we actually have uh, on a pod another podcast I do called the Farmers Market Podcast i actually reached out to a local tea farm i did not know south carolina had a tea farm in literally my backyard well not literally but not too far from here at the base of caesar's head and table rock uh state park um so they have been in business for a while now and they've got a truly unique story Um, And Steve Lorch and his wife are incredible people. Uh, And here's just a snippet of some of the things we discussed on the Farmer's Market podcast.
1: We actually grow, uh, process, and sell our tea right here on the farm.
0: Now, what what are some of the most popular products on the farm?
1: Well... Um, Obviously the tea, uh, but from the same plant, we make green tea, black tea, and oolong tea. And I would have to say that our um, oolong tea is probably the most popular. Uh, Last year, that sold out in about 36 hours. Um, So it's uh, something that goes pretty quick. Um, We also make a very unique green tea called winter leaf which is a cold harvest green tea, unlike anything in the industry.
0: Wow. Now, I I have a little bit of knowledge about tea farms, not much, because obviously you're only one in a a, a handful in the the United States. But uh, from my understanding, most tea farms are uh, based out of India. Is that correct?
1: Well, uh, China, of course, India, and believe it or not, Kenya, which is um, kind of our tradition. Uh, that's where we first learned of tea. Uh, Kenya is responsible for twenty percent of the world's tea.
0: So, okay, so it's very limited in the U.S. So, how how in the world did you get started? I think you told me a little bit of of the story, but maybe you could share with our listeners exactly how Steve got started in tea.
1: Sure. Um, well, we. We're, um, of course, the founders of Hydro International, which uh, does water projects all over the world. We ran that organization for about 10 years, and it took us to 30 different countries. Uh, one of those countries was Kenya, and we did a water well project in 2006 in Kenya in the T region there, and that's where we were introduced to T. So I came home, we were living uh, just outside of Greenville in Malden, South Carolina at the time, and I bought a little tea plant online, stuck it in the ground, didn't think anything of it, and then when we bought our farm out here in Pickens, we wanted to do a hedgerow, but we wanted to make it uh, dual purpose, so just not just ornamental. And um, so we said, well, why don't we grow tea? So. Uh, we did, and by the time we figured out we needed about 500 plants to do it, <laughs> we said, well, how much does this stuff make in a year, and why don't we just start a tea company, and that's how we started.
0: If you have not had an opportunity to um, try some of Table Rock tea uh, company's uh, tea products, I strongly encourage you to do so. They are a phenomenal company um, and you can just hear the sincerity in Steve's voice. Um, phenomenal area in which to visit and travel and if you're ever in the mountains, uh, the Smoky Mountains in the North Carolina, Henderson, Hendersonville, Asheville area, it's not a hard stretch or a hard trip to just go on over to Table Rock um, in Caesar's Head and to go check them out. They are uh, more than willing to discuss with you not only what they do, but why they do it. Um, and they'll even they'll even possibly let you help them out in terms of uh, just depends on the day, but they'll even let you help them out. So great company to go uh, at least visit online. Purchase some of their products. Um, great packaging, wonderful product. I can't speak highly enough of it. And of course, I'm drinking it as as I'm sitting here talking to you guys. So, if if you decided you know coffee maybe not the thing for you and you wanted to go tea, this would be um, some tea to try. So, I'm not getting paid by them to endorse them by any stretch, but I figured you know if you're going to be quarantined. Um, and it's, like I said, I get a little bit raspy sometimes during this time of the year because of the pollen. Tea or something warm in your throat helps soothe it, um, and I have another tea story I'd like to share, um, it has to do with singing, uh, it has to do with my time at WIS in Columbia, and I'll tell you what one singer used to do with his tea in order to really hit those high notes and to be able to open up his vocal cords, which I I didn't know about either, so... Hey, guys, I know the uh, quarantine and the reopening of South Carolina and the coronavirus is still going on. But, hey, it's my life and it's your life, too. So, guys, stay safe. Be well. And I'll see you next time. My name is Stefan, and I'm out.